welcome to the Adventure Mechanics. I'm Chandler. And I'm Tom. And today we'll be doing a revival of one of our older formats that we called Impressions. Because both Tom and I played the early alpha of Kerbal Space Program number dos this past weekend. And we kind of had some thoughts on it. I don't know. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, after he and I played and we played together, (laughs) we both came away from the experience with, I think, some very strong and passionate opinions. And so I called an emergency podcast meeting because I felt like this was just something that we had to talk about. Which is kind of funny because usually getting the uh, mechanics together is kind of like pulling teeth from a, from a logistics perspective. So. Yeah, or herding cats, something along those lines. Yeah. It's, it's, that's why we only uh, release on a monthly cadence, that's for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> but yeah, for those that don't know, Kerbal Space Program number two came out, oh, what was it? February 24th. 24th? Yep. Yeah. I have that na- that date burned into my brain because <laughs> both Chandler and I are huge fans of the first game. Couldn't tell you how many hours we've played them or that game. And uh, I have been anticipating the launch of KSP2, I mean, technically speaking, for years, because it got delayed, but we'll go into that later. Mm -hmm. But I heard the new announce date, I think I got wind of it, and I don't know if this is actually when it came out, but I think it would have been, like, November 2022? So, basically, for about four months, I have been, like, just chomping at the bit. I put a notification in my phone. I was like, oh, man! This day is going to be so great. I'm going to get to play one of my favorite games of all time as the sequel in a modern update. They're going to fix all of the problems that the first one had. It's going to be so awesome. Actually, the November release date was the fourth time that it was delayed. Um, Yeah. I suppose we should talk about the development history of KSP just for, or KSP2 just for everybody's um, initial knowledge base. Probably. Because... Yeah, it, this game has had a... Uh, Storied past? Yeah, a little <laughs> bit of a troubled past, to say the least. So initially, it was given to another development company that was called Uber Entertainment, not that Uber, <laughs> who took it on as their sole project because the original developers for the original Kerbal Space Program wanted to focus on finishing that up before getting into the new one. So they passed it off to Uber Entertainment, which rebranded themselves Star Theory Games. They were initially slated to release some version of KSP2 into early access in some time in early 2020. Yep. Obviously that didn't happen. A lot of things got screwed up with the pandemic and whatnot. Then they went into development cycle hell where they just kept running into issues. Um, They brought in some more scientific, heavy, enthusiastic players from the first one, like Scott Manley to try and get the game to be a little bit more realistic, which good for them. Honestly, it was a different approach for it, but the early feedback they got was it wasn't uh, beginner friendly anymore. So they kind of went back to the drawing board on that. Well, as they went back to the drawing board, they started having issues with their publisher, Private Division, under Take-Two Interactive. Important to note there. And then Take-Two Interactive 
tried to do a buyout of Star Theory Games in, what, 2021? 2020? Something like that? Yeah. Where Star Theory Games said, nope, we're not getting taken over. And Take-Two Interactive was like, fine, whatever. We're going to take Kerbal Space Program 2 from you, despite this being your only project, and give it to an in-house development group that we're spinning up. Oh, and here's an invitation for you, for your team to apply. So they scalped a third of uh, Star Theory's games, uh, game developers rather, and like a few months after they took KSP2 from Star Theory Games, it folded. There was no way for them to make money. They had no other games that they were developing at the time. And then specifically that was, oh, I have an article here. I'm going to bring articles into this because this is an important part of it. Basically took it out sometime in 2021 from, let me back up. So Star Theory Games had the their KSP2 contract pulled out from them around 2021 at some point. And then Take-Two scalped as many people as they could from that development company into their own in-house group. And then they had to push it back because they ended up scrapping most everything they got from Star Theory Games for whatever reason. And that's why it was pushed back to Q3 of 2021 because they were spinning up a whole new development company for it. And then it got pushed out to 2022 because they were still working on it. Whatever they were working on, I don't know. But the proof is in the pudding, and they didn't put a whole lot into it. Let's uh, be kind there. Um, <laughs> and then they got pushed out in 2022 to February 24th, 2023. That's all that we, as a public audience, actually know about the woes of the development cycle. Not exactly a shining way to start a sequel to a well-loved game. Anytime you have that much trading hands and and just chaos and team switching and all of that, we've seen it pe- like play out in other games in the past, and it, it doesn't always result in the greatest end product. Kind of on the flip side of the coin, as long as it's amicable, usually the handoff can be done relatively seamlessly. Yeah. Considering how it was pushed out from 2020, when it was supposed to be released, all the way back to 2023, in the state that it came out in in February, they must have trashed everything that Star Theory Games built. There's no other explanation. I I can't think of anything else of why this would take three years to put it in such a broken state that it is right now. Agreed. I can't remember exactly who said it, and I can't remember the quote exactly. I think it was a Nintendo developer um, from way back when, and they, they said the quote is essentially, it's okay to delay a game if it results in a good game coming out. It's always better to delay a game with a, a good end result than it is to to rush something to production and and end up with a bad game. And... KSP2 is an interesting like case study because it did get delayed. But like you said, I believe they must have trashed a lot of content because it seems like it got delayed and rushed. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Yeah, that the uh 
quote is from Shigeru Miyamoto. Uh, Thank a delayed you. game is eventually good, but a bad game is bad forever. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily true nowadays because day one patches are a thing and updates after release are a thing. For better or but, worse. <laughs> yeah. Usually for better, but not always. Yep. Um, especially with Take-Two games. I'm looking at you, Take-Two. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, KSP2 was released with a lot of hype. A lot of it. They've been hyping this for three years that I'm aware of. Yep. Yeah, and they the main selling point of it was it's going to be multiplayer. That was the main selling point of it. Yeah. And I can understand not having feature complete anything day one. But if you're putting something out in early access, it should at the very least be a halfway decent vertical slice of what you expect to be working on for the next decade. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I don't think Take-Two is going to let this development company work on KSP2 for a decade. But especially with how they they really fumbled with a rushed and delayed uh, release that they have now. Yeah. But if you're going to be putting out a vertical slice like this, it should be somewhat representative. Not feature complete. Nobody's asking for feature complete. They're just asking for where's the fun in it. And and also, I, I think it's it's important to be clear. You know, when we were watching this game come down the pipe, they did release a roadmap. They released, you know, computer specs. Like, they were kind of giving some information out to kind of say, hey, this is where we're at. This is what you should expect. And in that, they kind of said, hey, we're going to be giving you a basic game. We're going to give you sandbox mode only, so no career. Multiplayer is going to come later. It won't have that right away. They've also promised interstellar travel. That's not going to happen right away. There's a whole bunch of stuff that they kind of promised and said, hey, these are the things that we are going to come out with. These are our our plans. It's our roadmap. But we're going to just release a very basic game. And so when Chandler and I booted it up for the first time, we weren't expecting a complete game. We know it's an early access. We know that this game was going to be missing a ton of core features that the current first game does have working. So there was no expectation that they, those promises be met. That we, we knew they weren't going to be. But that doesn't justify what actually ended up happening. $50 for a drunken, half-baked version of KSP1. I do mean drunken. Like, you were doing the, oh yeah, I could do KSP sequel, on the back of a fucking napkin. Yeah. And they charged $50 for it. What they released for $50 could barely be called a tech demo. It's broken to the point of being completely unplayable for the vast majority of the people that would be playing it. If you haven't been following the news and you haven't been following kind of how this, this whole thing has gone down, when KSP launched... Actually, before KSP launched, leading up to the launch, they released the games, uh, like the computer specs, the minimum and recommended specs to run the game. Now, to be clear, KSP, the original, is a fairly resource-heavy game, even though the game is, what, 10, 15 years old at this point? When did it come out? Do you remember? Long time ago. Long time ago. Let me look it up. Yeah, I mean, and I... Um, 2011. 
2011. <laughs> yes, it's it an was, old game. When it was fully released. That's full that, release. Editor Chandler here. The initial release for Corporal Space Program on Squad's own website was June 24th, 2011, with it entering Steam's early access the 20th of March, 2013, and leaving beta on the 27th of April, 2015. Just a clarification. Yeah, so we started playing it way before that point. So, so yeah, not a new game. And even then, the new or the, the old game can potentially strain some modern systems due to CPU calculations and whatnot. It's a very, very, very heavy physics simulation. So you need to have a moderately powerful computer to run it. Not like crazy, but like, you know, you need to have like an okay processor to do it. So with the sequel coming out, like I think that we were all kind of expecting that like, yeah, you're it's a heavy physics simulation and this time they're promising, you know, vastly superior graphics. The physics engine is not really, it doesn't need to change. The original physics engine was really good it, it needs maybe some some tweaks to like make certain aspects of it work better but generally speaking it's it's an incredibly accurate realistic uh simulation of how a rocket launch would go so we weren't really expecting too much to change in that department but they did say better graphics so okay so we need a better graphics card that's fine no big deal then the actual specs come down the pipe and I think the minimum spec, I don't remember what it was for NVIDIA, but I remember that the bare minimum spec for AMD for the GPU is a 5600 XT, which is not a cheap card. That's like a mid-tier to like slightly higher tier card from like two generations ago. And that's the minimum spec. Well, you know, some alarms kind of go off. There's a lot of people that are not going to have a card that powerful or even close. KSP-1 would run on a laptop. And then the <laughs> the recommended... This isn't like, you know, well, if you want to, you know, have the most badass system in the world, the recommended specs are... Uh, I want to say it was a 3080, right? Yeah. It was something <laughs> obscene like that. Like... like if you want to play the game in earnest, you need to have a thousand, or no, twelve, thirteen hundred dollar card. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, a little excessive. A little excessive. I, I, and the, we've already seen at this point some sneak peeks of the, uh, the graphics of the game. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, 3080 is a recommended pretty? No. <laughs> like, not even close. There's lots of indie games that I currently own that are about five or six years old that have at least equivalent graphics if not quite a bit better so that was kind of i think the first like red flag warning sign well there were a few others there was quite a there's been a lot of red flags for me that was the first yeah. like oh shit we might actually be in real trouble the first red flag for me was when take two basically scalped or gutted the previous development company Oh, that's a huge said, red flag, yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's, for one, messy. For two, you're pushing out all parts of the project by years by doing that. Totally. And if your expected release date is mere months away, not exactly the best option. No. Now, us being fr from an outside perspective, maybe what they had was 
an indicator that they had to bring it in-house. Yeah. Who knows? But what they released for $50 as a barely playable, futzing around sandbox for rocketry. Yeah. Barely playable. And for many people, unplayable. This reeks of um, management sticking their hands way too deep into the development process and not allowing their developers to do what they do best. Totally. Just reeks of it. Absolutely. It's, you know, the development team and all the struggles that they've had, definitely, that's scary. As someone who's, you know, passionate about this game and following its development, you hear something like that and you kind of go, ooh boy. Um, but it's not necessarily a death sentence, you know? There may be yeah, good reasons that back. they did that. And there are games that have had, I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but there, there have been games that have had similar things that have happened where they recovered. It's okay. Hello Games and No Man's Sky. Yeah, that's a great example. That's a game that was like a total dumpster fire on launch, and now it's actually pretty cool. Here's the thing about Hello Games and No Man's Sky. The first release that they had was fun. Yep. The first release that KSP2 has done, not fun in the slightest. Are you someone that enjoys a game that barely works and has massively less content than the first one and is so buggy that you sometimes will literally not even be able to get the game to launch and requires multiple thousands of dollars of equipment in your computer to barely be able to launch any rockets? If so, this game is for you. <laughs> the thing that really bothers me about this is one of the big selling points about having a sandbox is being able to go big because you're going to be making your own fun. That's fine. Anything over a certain number of parts in this game causes it to have massive issues with both pathing and the ship holding together. Yeah, it'll just randomly explode. Yeah, which, to be fair, the original KSP had that issue too. But back in 2012. Right. So that's a solved issue that they are ignoring. And it's not like, oh, we changed engines. This is still on a Unity engine. Porting issues aside, which, because porting issues are a thing, updating to the latest version of Unity from the original project. And I mean the original project they got from Squad would have been a better choice. Yeah. Just straight up. Taking their existing code base and saying, you know what? We're going to make it multi-threaded this time. And that's all they had to do. Mm-hmm. Was take the original project and multi-thread it. And I'm saying it as if that's an easy project. But they had three fucking years after gutting a d different development team. Yeah. <laughs> so, like... I'm not exactly being unfair when I say that. Like, you could solve everything else if you just released something that was a bare-bones version of KSP-1 that was performant. Yep. And that's, like, that's really all we were expecting. We weren't expecting a complete game. We were expecting a simulation mode, um, sandbox mode. Sorry, not simulation mode, sandbox mode. Um, bare bones, probably missing parts, probably missing a hell of a lot of features, but you know, stable. 
if you're going to come out with a game, it needs to be playable. Like, I'm not asking for a lot. I'm asking for a game that looks kind of nice. Because, yeah, the graphics are better than the first one. Um, not most of the time. $50 better. No. And actually, not there are some major graphical errors that are, like, embarrassing. Yeah, like amateur hour. Yeah, like like I landed on Kerbin again and was looking at trees, and the trees were completely outlined like they were backlit at night, but they weren't. And that, that outline is like the grainiest... I mean, it looked like 8-bit graphics. And I'm like, I'm sorry, um, this game needs a 3080? Where? <laughs> like, it's embarrassing that this game that requires this monstrous computer... And I mean, okay, so I'll also say, the developers also kind of mentioned, they're like, well, this is kind of a temporary situation that you need that much. We're, we're going to be looking into optimization. Okay, fine. If, if you're going to make, I mean, we're making a lot of concessions here. If you're going to release a game that is a stripped down version that has massively less features, less features than the first one, and is missing almost, or has like almost zero improvements over the first one. That's the other thing I don't know if we've really mentioned yet. There's, like, no reason to play the second game over the first one. The reasons that they have given are uh, kind of weak. Like, ooh, can we can transform wings. Cool. That's nice. Which, I'm really happy that feature exists, but it doesn't mean... It's not enough to, to give up all the stuff the first one has. Kind of to add on to that, like, both Tom and I rarely touched the the plane hanger yeah the first one well to it, be honest with you the physics a, were kind of not great so planes were really hard to fly fair yeah it feels like what they did for ksp2 was focus their entire initial release on that airplane hanger which is a really strange choice in a space program game yeah really strange and from what I've seen of the air, um, space hangar, it works fantastically well. They probably improved it. Yep. That's not what we were looking for in a space program simulator. No, there's a lot of games that already exist if you want to build an airplane. There's a ton of them. So that's... It's fine that they did that. But again, this is this is kind of where I'm at. You know, this you is need their first release, right? What, you what, start with the sizzle. You start with the sizzle. Yeah, what you need, what they, what they needed to do to succeed is they needed to have a game that was. I mean, we get it. It's early access. Doesn't need to be bug free. It's gonna have bugs. That's fine. Everyone's expecting that. No problem. If they had come out with a game that was like mostly playable, so that like the vast majority of players can mostly get through a mission without some stupid bug destroying it, which currently is not possible. Mm-hmm. But if they had that, and they had one thing, one, you need to have a cookie. One thing that's like, hey, you want the cookie? You gotta, you gotta play KSP two. It's not in KSP one. You got, you gotta come over here, and you can have the cookie. You gotta have something that makes that separates it in a meaningful way from the first one, so that people are likely to play the second one for that new exciting experience they and don't they have it nothing they had nothing and if they had had a stable ish 
game, completely incomplete, sandbox mode only, with one cookie, I'd be happy. We would have been happy. We would have both been happy. Totally. I was a little bit grumpy about the $50 price tag. That seems kind of absurd, considering I don't know what I paid for KSP. It was probably like $10 back in like 2008, but that's not fair. I think yeah. what KSP1 is $25 right now, and it's a complete it's, game. It's 40 right now. It's $40? No. Yeah. No, no shitting you. It's $40 right now, not on sale. Now, to be fair, that doesn't include the two expansions that give extra parts Jesus. and extra missions. I, but I think I the paid original is $40. I think I paid $10 or $15 for the original and got both the expansions in that deal. Yeah, wow. And that, that was part of being early access. Yeah, because we, we got, got it way early. Yeah, we got it way yeah. early. It was barely I, sandbox mode when we got I don't even think that there was anything other than the moon and Minmus when we first got it. Um, there wasn't even a way to land on the moon when I got it. Yeah, it I think you're right. It goes up. You're right. It was right. Yeah, we used to fly through it. It was kind of there, but it was like a prop. There was nothing to land on. Yeah. I remember when that came out. You're right. Um, yeah, but they weren't asking 50 bucks no. for that. And we were fine. And so this is the thing. This is the thing. You can you can come out with a game in early access, but if it's early access, I believe, firmly believe, there has to be a discount. It, it shouldn't be full price. It needs to be discounted it, because you're, you're, you're buying into a promise. You're not buying into a fully complete game. You're buying into someone saying... I promise if you buy this game, I'll finish it. There, there's no yeah. reason to pay full price for that. So you do it as a discounted rate, and then you finish the frickin' game, and then you fully release it at full price, and then you can go on sale after that. They didn't do that. They went into a full release price. I'll, I'll be the first person to say, KSP1, totally worth $40. 100% worth $40. I'm not saying that's a bad deal. The only reason I'm shocked it's that much is because it is, what, a... 13 year old game so that's a little shocking that it costs that much right now i feel like at this point you kind of have your price has to kind of be low when it's an early access high at full release and then high low high low high low as it goes on and off and off of sale and then when it reaches a certain age it should go low again because yeah it's old but at the same token like it's a complete game it is 40 dollars is not a ripoff no, it you will spend pennies on the hour. Totally. In KSP. Totally. Even with adding the thirty extra dollars for both expansions, you will be spending pennies on the dollar for that. Hundred percent. I can almost guarantee that if you have any even tangential interest in rocketry. Yes. If you if you like just making things and screwing around with like stuff and things exploding, go buy KSP one. It's freaking great. You're gonna have a great time. I want to do a full KSP one retrospective. So I'm going to kind of gloss over a lot of that. Cause I feel like we could do a full episode just on KSP one. <laughs> some reason my brain thinks we already did, but I guess not. Yeah. Nope. We haven't done that. Oh, yet. we so needed to do that. Okay. Right. Especially after the dumpster fire that is KSP two. Yes. <laughs> but like what they did for KSP two reeks of C-suite management being like, Oh, we we want all that money. We can't leave this money on the table. Yep. And they are paying for it right now. And this is the thing. Like, 
I'm pissed that it was $50. I think that that was bullshit. But here's the thing. I bought it because so did I. I love KSP. And so I was kind of like, well, look, almost any other developer, if they had asked for that price with something that is so feature poor, because we knew that going in, we knew we were getting very little. I would have probably balked at the price and been like, nah, man, you're like, that's cool. I'm, I'm good. But this I is KSP. Like, yeah, it was supposed to be something different. Yeah, and and, and I trust wasn't. those developers because KSP One is so good, and I want to support them, and I want to support the idea, and I love, love, love this game series so much. I was willing to take that risk. I had they, and, they had my trust, they had my my faith in them, and I was ready to do that. I did it. I was like, yeah, here's fifty bucks. Let's go, and they couldn't. Even even though I am a fanboy, even though I am hardcore into KSP, it's one of my favorite games of all time, they couldn't hold my faith. They couldn't hold my trust. Yeah. I could not hand a developer more on a silver platter than I did with them. And in, in less than an hour, I was like, I'm getting a refund. This sucks. This is bullshit. They are years away from where this game deserves $50. Not months. Yeah. Years. And here's the thing. It's not like we're complaining just for the sake of complaining. There is an A-B test that you can do for a game released of a sequel, of a beloved of a beloved game that was released the day before. The Forest yeah. had its sequel released on the Thursday before KSB2. And... The Sons of the Forest is an amazing game. Straight up. I don't even have fanboy things of Sons of the Forest. And it was a feature complete game. It doesn't have all the story beats that it needs. It's missing a few things. Yeah. It's still an early access game. And it is 40% cheaper. Yeah. And it shows how much that that developer actually cares about their fan base yep because they released a vertical slice that was worth the 30 bucks they were asking for which is 33 percent higher than the original game but it has that cookie as tom said yep to get you to play the sequel and it shows ksp2 and intercept games failed fundamentally on every possible method they overhyped it. Yeah, big time. You should see the trail. The trailers are great. Like, yeah. oh man, I will buy that game so hard on those trailers. But they have nothing, nothing. to do with the game that was released. Even the developer hype reels. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I watched every single one. I subscribed to their channel and watched every reel. And each time I did, I was like, oh my god, I cannot wait for this game. I'm so stoked. Yeah, and... They gave you nothing of that. Yeah. Whoever's in charge of their promotions and advertising, like, good job. You you fucking nailed it. Too bad the product you, you were selling sucks. Yeah, you sold us that turd. Yep. <laughs> I bought that turd. <laughs> I swallowed it. Yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> and then I threw it back up. I By the way, just to be full clarity, after less than an hour of playing, both Chandler and I are like, yeah, fuck that and we returned it so yeah 
it's it's not worth the asking price that they're demanding for a subpar product that honestly i feel like is a very highly polished game jam game yeah and highly polished game jam games aren't worth 50 bucks honestly i think if they were forced to to sell the exact product that they have right now the only way that they would make it acceptable is if a they came into it very honestly and said, hey, there's been a lot of drama around this. We're not releasing the product that we wanted to release, but we do want to give our fans something to enjoy. And they said, and- we're going to give you the game as it stands, no changes to it whatsoever, for $10. I'd be like, I'm in. And I wouldn't be mad about what came out right now. But- or even half the cost at 25 25 I think I'd be I would accept it I wouldn't be happy but I'd accept it I think what they have right now is a $10 game I think that they have a $25 alpha assuming they can follow through like where they say hey this is a $25 game we're going to ask $25 and then we're going to develop it I'd be like okay but 50 bucks (laughs) hell no (laughs) yeah no they, they preyed off of the enthusiasm of the fan base, assuming that they wouldn't have a massive backlash. Yeah. And they got a massive backlash. Yeah. Their Steam reviews right now are mixed. Now, if That's they were shocking. anything... Yeah. If they were any other developer on release with a mixed review set, and this is over a thousand reviews. Yeah. That would be the death of that game. Yep. Their Metacritic has six bad reviews out of eight. Oof, that's not good. Like, there's nothing good coming out of this release. And some people are still fanboying. And if you're one of them, I'm glad you're enjoying the game. Yeah, I fun. fervently hope that at some point I can enjoy the game with you. Yes, and to be clear... As it stands right now, I can't. I mean, I seriously doubt any developers are going to listen to us. But if you if you are, <laughs> here's the deal. As pissed off as we are, if you guys fix this turd, I'll buy it again. I'll happily buy it again. I am totally rooting for you guys. I want this to be a good game. I desperately want this to be a good game. But it's not. But it's not. (laughs) Like, the way it is right now, it's insulting. You basically, Ubisoft KSP won. Yep. And... I'm using Ubisoft as a verb here. You know exactly what I mean when I say Ubisoft. You didn't polish. You put a lot of bright, shiny sheen onto every fucking thing. And there's not a single goddamn piece of polish in this. It's a turd covered in glitter. Yeah. You didn't even spend the time trying to make it shiny. You just spattered glitter on it and said that's good enough. And maybe we'll survive this. And... Maybe this is just an angry Chandler. And because obviously KSP2 is on the top selling list for Steam right now. Oh, man. Which tells you how much love there is for this game. And how badly Intercept Games botched this. Yeah, because <laughs> had this... I mean, imagine if this had gone differently. Imagine if they had done what we said and they, they released a basic sandbox mode only like fairly stable game 
all of the i mean this, that's not even that hard to do release the same damn game but make it so that it works most of the time oh my god what a huge trip like like thing to, to ask for if they had done that the amount of success that they would have is like immense but instead there's been a mass return like I almost everyone that I've talked to is like I returned it it's it's terrible it's like completely awful yeah and and this is the problem once a game does that I mean there are some exceptions you already mentioned one but once a game goes through this stage where there's m the vast majority of people return it what you have to do to recover from that is you have to very, 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 very quickly, you have to come out with lots of updates that fix it and apologize for the horrible mistake that you've made. And maybe if you're very lucky and your fan base is very loyal, which KSP fans are, to be fair, you might turn this situation around. But instead, this is the problem. If they don't do this exactly right, Kerbal Space Program, the franchise has a very real possibility of dying right now. And that scares the daylights out of me. The extra little dagger that just goes into the side during this is they released plushies at 40 bucks a pop. Jesus Christ, that's so Days much. after the, this shit show. I want a plushie so, because I, I'm a fan. I love this game series, but 40 bucks... It's not worth it. And it's a KSP2 plushie. So, yeah, it's like, oh, I'm going to send the message that you guys did a good job. Uh, no. Yeah. And just taking a quick glance at Steam Spy, we see the, the proof in the pudding. Number one game on Steam Spy. Best selling. Sons of the Forest? KSP2. Oh, really? Owners, 200,000 to half a million. Number two, Sons of the Forest, two to five million wow that tells you how many fucking returns ksp2 had it's like they haven't even hit a million people now granted this is estimated but that's estimated on how much they got returns and returns aren't free no let's be absolutely clear about that if you are a developer and you have a three to five percent return rate you will be paying fee credit card fees on that three to five percent return rate yep and if they had possibly twice i don't know if that if that charges them to send the money back but i bet it does now when i say uh chargeback it, usually you get credit cards go both ways right mm -hmm. you, you as a seller you'll have to pay a credit card fee to get access the money it's not very high but that's the cost of doing business they get hit with that again when they have to return the money right so you're looking at three to five percent total in credit card fees off of a 55 or a 50 dollar purchase and that's and that's like extra they were number one yeah because and they were number one on steam right that the the part that's extra painful about that not only are you getting hit both ways but all of those purchases had those people been happy, are locked in, right? You get that money. It's there. Now, not only are yeah. you losing money on those people, a fairly large percentage of those people that were excited about the game and were totally ready to drop 50 bucks on it are never coming back. 
Yeah. Like your audience and, permanently and irretrievably shrinks. Yep, and it costs you money to do that. It costs you money to hurt yourself. Yep. And it's going to take them years to recover from this. Yep. Years. If they, if take two, even Dean's fucking intercept games worthy the runway. Yeah. To do it. They might just look okay. at this, this result, which they created for themselves and say, look, people don't want this game. It's bad. Let's kill it. And then all the people... Which this Take Two Games does. Yeah. And this is exactly why Chandler and I decided to return. Because if there was some kind of a promise where it's like, look, I know for a fact that they're going to finish this game and get it going, I probably would have left my $50 in the pool as a fanboy to be like, I want you to use this money to finish this game. But yeah. I don't have that I, promise. There's a big corporation involved with a lot of people with, you know, with pencils that are going to go, hmm, this didn't seem very profitable kill it with fire and so anybody that paid $50 on the promise of a finished game you don't have an actual promise that that's going to happen it might not especially when on release weekend you have 9,000 reviews of your game and it is mixed they might be able to pull a No Man's Sky out of this. I don't know. I doubt it. I don't have the confidence that they will. There's basically one game I'm aware of that did that, and it's No Man's Sky. Most of them, when this happens, death sentence. Yeah, and it's for good reason. Yeah. You've abused the faith of your players. Yep. And I'm not putting this on the developers. No, I have a you feeling guys... that's not who is at fault here. It, the What is there seems like a lot of love went into it. But you guys were given the short shrift with, of everything. What this feels like, honestly, is like the beginning of a great game. It's it's like the um, it's like when you uh, get a whiff of something, you're like, ooh, that kind of smells good. But then all you're seeing is just the ugliest fucking food. Yeah. And like your appetite just disappears because of what it looks like. Yep. That's That's what KSP2 feels like to me. Yeah, and I sincerely hope that they can pull it out, but I don't think they can, especially, especially if Take Two is behind this. This this is my concern. I at this point, I have backed so many games in early access, and so I kind of have developed like a mental, you know, time frame for how long it takes to take a game from one state into another state, and. I'm not going to call myself an expert, but just going on my gut feeling here to take the game from where it is right now to where it would be the exact same number of features. So adding literally nothing and just doing repairs, I'd say if they focused a hundred percent of their energy on it, three or four months to make what is currently out stable. Yeah. Does that sound right to you? Stable. Yeah. And then, after three or four months of making it work, they can start adding features. Um, I don't think that that time frame gives time to recover. I feel like they're probably a year away from the game being stable and fun. Yeah, probably. If it even gets that runway. And that's the problem, is a year from now, all the hype, all the excitement, all the talking, and all of the people that are really pumped to play the game, they will have 
probably moved on, and all you're going to be left with are the really hardcore fans. And let's be honest here, as a really hardcore fan, the entire 57 minutes that I spent playing KSP2, the entire time, I kept thinking to myself, God, I really want to turn this off and play KSP1. Yep. And that's because of the coup glitter. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh man, this looks really cool, but like kind of also worse. Uh, it's kind of I could lots of fluff. Better with mods to the original. Yeah. I don't even put mods in my game. And and let's I play vanilla. Yeah, we, we play straight vanilla KSP and it's it's fantastic. And here's the thing, here's the thing. KSP one. Again, what is it? 12, 13 years old. Okay from release it's it's a dated game you know it's old when you play it you're like ah yeah i can tell it's an old game but it's beautiful and it's fun it's so much fun the there's actually there's kind of a weird dichotomy between really pretty graphics and really simple graphics and both of them can be beautiful right um but because just because a game is really beautiful and is very taxing on the system to produce all of those really fancy shiny objects, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be actually beautiful. Mm-hmm. And KSP two, there are moments. There are moments when you're orbiting a planet and you're looking at your ship and the sunlight is glinting off of some of the metal and you can see all the clouds that are dynamically moving around the Earth. You're like, wow. That's so pretty. That's pretty. But launching there, terrible. <laughs> but for all of those moments, there's like way more moments where you're like traveling through the clouds and they suddenly go like 8-bit, super pixelated and looking like shit with like, which they wouldn't look that bad if that was a style choice. That's fine. But the problem is you're looking at this like highly detailed ship that's really pretty with the backdrop of, of clouds that look like they came out in 1998. And, and with Z buffer fighting on top of your ship, so you see some of that eight bit just shitting all over the pretty rocket that you've built. Yes, and and then and then you fly through those awful things, and then you you hit your next stage, and the and half the rocket explodes for no reason. Yeah, for no reason at all. It just blows up, and then you punch the parachute, and you float back down to to Kerbin. You land on the 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 planet. And you proceed to start walking under and through a bunch of trees because they aren't actually real. They're not attached to the ground. And they also, by the way, have like 8-bit fucking outline for no goddamn reason that looks horrendous because you've got really nice-looking detailed model right next to this what looks like a complete glitch. It's a dumpster fire. (laughs) It's not acceptable. They would have been better off cutting three quarters of the trees and just having one pretty tree. Yeah. Not even collision for that pretty tree. Just one pretty tree. If they had made all of the trees that were, you know, pretty, only a single model and sitting on the ground properly instead of floating in the air and had no collision, but they also didn't have an ugly background, weird, like, lighting error, that would have been fine. I wouldn't have even probably None noticed for for months. But instead, yeah. as soon as I landed on the planet, I was just like, that looks awful. <laughs> that looks so and, awful. Honestly, playing this game felt like work. Yeah. And I do software QA for a living. That's, that's brutal. I would have had an entire eight-hour day of just filling out bug reports for the one hour I played this game. 
Sounds right. With reproduction cases, which aren't hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you find a bug in the game, uh, yeah, you're going to be able to reproduce it. You're going to have a hard time not reproducing it. Yeah, and the game's not supposed to feel like work. No. Now, not everybody does software QA. I fully acknowledge that. But it's not supposed to feel like work to just try and get the game to show you that little nugget of fun that you know is there. Or should be. But you have to get through everything else yeah. through there. Yeah. Like, I appreciate them putting the tutorials in. I really do. No, I think that was a great move. It makes the game more friendly for new players. And I fully support that. What I don't support is giving a half-assed game where you don't even have the vertical slice done yet of what makes the game fun and then charging AAA prices on it. Yep. Yeah. Let me remind you, Sons of the Forest was $20 cheaper and is overwhelmingly positively reviewed right now. Yep. And it's number two on the Steam sales charts. Yep. So... There are millions of advanced, or, or, or not millions, probably, but like there's a lot of examples of games that are super indie, came out super, super like alpha, you know, <laughs> missing a lot of content, but they did it right. It's it's not a hard model to follow. If you are capable of making a good game, there is a blueprint that you can follow on how to do it properly where the community will accept it. If you don't know about it, there is, I can guarantee there's a GDC talk about how to do exactly that. Yeah. So. You would think that a major developer like this wouldn't need that, but clearly. <laughs> obviously, the, the publisher said, you know, we've done this enough. We don't want to do it anymore. And it shows in the product that they force the developers to put out. Yep. It shows. Yeah, I'm. And I'm fully s- saying it's on the publisher's plate oh 100 percent. Take two has a deep enough pocket to finish this yep but they're not going to which is why the return rate is so high for it yeah and and as people know it's not going to get finished because take two says oh this was an initial trash uh fire it's going to cost us x amount of money and it's not going to be profitable for x number of years and we have a quarter coming up and let's be real we're not rooting for that i hope we're wrong I, I would love to be proven wrong. Desperately hope we're wrong. But when it hits 1.0, or if it hits 1.0, yeah. we might do a review for it. Oh, absolutely. I think we should. But but as it stands right now, it's not worth it. Yeah. And we have an A-B study. Now, granted, Sons of the Forest is very different from Kerbal Space Program 2. Yeah. Despite the fact that we've played both um, of the originals. I haven't played The Forest. Oh, you haven't? And I, I haven't played The Forest, and I love Sons of the Forest. Oh, so wow. So coming from a very pr- different perspective. I have played The Forest. I thought we played that together. The Forest is great. We, we talked about that. And maybe we'll talk about that as a proper review. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, hey. <laughs> but, but, like, it's an A-B study. Yep. They're both started off as beloved original IPs one development team and one publisher did it very well as a sequel. Yep. One publisher gutted themselves and the development team and then 
basically said, okay, we're going to go on a weekend bender crunch to try and recreate what we have already. Yeah. Reinventing that goddamn wheel that they already have the code base for that they deemed wasn't good enough. Yep. Because you can tell they're not using the same code base. No. There are elements that are kind of clearly pulled from the original game. I've, I'd say that there are a, a number of models that appear to be kind of retooled. Um, but it's not the same code base. No, because it, it works on a fundament, in a fundamentally different way. Um, and that's... They didn't have to reinvent everything to satiate the desire for a sequel. And this is this is the part that killed me. So... Leading up to the re- the release of this game, they they came out with a statement, and I, I should clarify what the statement is. But what they said is, "We killed the Kraken." Now, what they mean by that is, in the original game, in in KSP one, the Kraken is like where you've put this ship together, and you're launching it off, and for some reason, some parts are just not getting along, and they'll start to like vibrate and wiggle and just do things that are like they don't make any sense from a physics standpoint until your your ship mm. literally just tears itself apart. And so the joke is, you know, it's the Kraken. The Kraken is coming and invisibly ripping the parts off of your ship, right? It's funny. So yeah, and it's been a running issue with KSP one totally. for the entire life of it. They've they've done a lot of work to make that as minimal as possible and really eliminate most of the Kraken. And for the most part, you won't encounter it. It you really only encounter it with like very complicated ships. Um and you can work around it for the most part. It's fine. Everyone in the KSP community has kind of figured out how to get around this problem. Um they came out and said we killed the Kraken. So we're all like, hell yeah, they killed the Kraken. It's this is the game's gonna be nice and stable. The ships are gonna be stable. Hell no. The, the, the ship's... Kraken's healthy and it's killing you. <laughs> the, Kra- the Kraken has friends. <laughs> like they they didn't kill it. They gave it steroids. <laughs> it's worse. It's way worse. I yeah. The, the 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 stuff like that where they're they're just straight up lying. There's not there's there's not even like I don't know how they could have expected to get away with that lie. Like, what did they think was gonna happen? Yeah, if you play the game, you will have this experience. And if you've played the first game, you're gonna go, wow, this is significantly worse. Like, it's not here's- even hard to do. And here's the thing that kind of gets me. They did an ESA pre-release, the European Space Agency, yeah. where they had top-of-the-line computer equipment, and they had all of the top-tier um, YouTubers and streamers there. Yep. And when I watched Scott Manley's stream of it, he wasn't having fun. No. He went through the entire thing almost mechanically, and... It didn't look like he was having fun. The big selling point that they had was the tutorials. Yeah. That was the only cookie that they had in the fucking initial release. Yeah. And it's not fun for an experienced player. No. And you can see it in that. And you can tell Scott Manley, he did a soft recommend because he had sunk cost fallacy into this game. And to be clear, 
so that if you don't know too. if you don't know who <laughs> yeah um if you don't know who scott manley is he basically built his entire youtube channel on kerbal space program yes. so yeah. like this is a guy who is as biased as is possible to be and he can't firmly recommend it yeah and it shows <laughs> like need i it say more fucking shows in his face yeah He's playing it, and he's not having fun. He wants to go back to the original, just like every other streamer I've seen. Yep. Now, I may be biased and am only looking at the streamers I'm choosing, but I have yet to see somebody have a genuine fun time with what they released. Yeah. The only time I'm, I've seen people having... the bed for a sequel. The only time I've seen people having fun is when there's a horrible, ridiculous glitch, and it's funny. Which can be fun. Yeah. Which can be fun. It, it's it's funny until it happens all the time and you can't get rid of it. One of the yeah. YouTubers we watched started laughing his, his butt off because a random arrow just appeared from the tutorial and stuck on the screen. And so he was laughing. No and, getting rid of it. Yeah, he was like thinking, oh, that's hilarious. You know, no big deal. Early access. It'll go away. He couldn't get rid of it. He he he, relo- he redid his save game. He, you know, loaded from an earlier state. He closed the entire game, reopened it. It was in the fucking menu. <laughs> and then the game became literally unplayable. Yeah, in his chase of getting rid of an arrow on the screen, KSP2 ceased working permanently. I think he said he that's... reinstalled the game and it would never launch again. Yeah, that's a red line bug that should not be in your alpha release. Good God, no. Or if it is, that's one of those that's like, oh shit, we screwed up, it's a weird circumstance, and we have it patched in a few hours. That's Or next workday. Yeah, at the it needs to be in a major I... rush. And as far as I know, there's no updates so far. Yeah. Yeah, nothing. And... <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> this is why we're so salty about it. This is why we're so salty about it. There's no fun, just the work of trying to fix their bugs. Yep. And it's abundantly clear to me that they don't actually use a QA team in-house because if they had an in-house QA team that team would be ragging on the developers so hard about these things that are literally red line game breaking bugs yeah it's hard for me to imagine them not having a QA team and what I mean by QA team in-house is having your QA team on your payroll. Yeah. Not hiring out a contractor that you pay a third of the cost for. That's what I mean by having a QA team in house. And yeah. what they expect that what they expect of the the community right now is them to take on those QA duties with what they put out. Yeah. Not to not to guide the development like you should be using for an alpha game or an early access game. They expect you to do their QA work for them. Yep. For a and game you paid full price for. Yeah. You get to pay to help them develop it. Or than a sequel that was executed way better. Yeah. Significantly more expensive. It's So, yeah, that's it's frustrating as all hell. <laughs> it is. It is. It's insanely frustrating. <laughs> I'm so frustrated. I 
I just, I think what pisses me off the most about this is I'm probably the easiest guy to please when it comes to games. I've bought so many games over the years that I bought them on the hype that they would eventually be good. And they didn't always turn out good. And I'm generally pleased with that purchase anyway because I feel like, ah, you know, I bought it without knowing what it was going to be. But I also feel like for most of those games, I wasn't paying full price for a fully released game. I was paying 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks. It was cheap. It was an amount of money that I was kind of like, eh, you know, if this doesn't pan out, I'm going to be okay. It's not a big deal. Not like 50 bucks is going to break me, but it's just... That's like promises have been fulfilled money. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. you expect a certain level of polish at that price point. Damn right. I do. They did not deliver on that. No period. Absolutely. They didn't not. even deliver on the early access moniker. No. And that's a problem. No, what they, what they have right now, what they should have done at this point right now, they should, they needed to delay it again and they needed to pick a bunch of people that are like, early access testers and say, hey, we're going to pick a select people from maybe a Discord group and we're going to give you guys this game for $10. You will own the game from this point on for $10 and as a as a, a price of, of admission for getting that good discount, you're going to just give us feedback as you play it. And then they kick the game out another year and then it releases at 50 bucks after all these problems have been solved because a bunch of people got a really great deal on a game that they were passionate about. That'd have been fine. There's so many ways to do this better than they did. (laughs) They really shit the bed. Yep. And that way they could have had some cash income. They could have had a little bit of money coming in to help with the development or something. But, but no, they didn't do that. They, yeah, they wanted all the money right now for a, and they're turned for it. Yep. Should we talk about any and of the things that are good? I have a few things to say that are good. I mean, I've been trying to put good things in as I've been talking about it, but I was gonna say, there's not a whole lot of good out of this. That won't take long. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so, so I, I feel like I've been very negative. I feel like I should say some good things about the game. Uh, here's what they got right. The music. And the dynamic music as you're, like, taking off and launching. Mm. Chef's kiss. Beautiful. Great work. Love it. That is a fantastic addition. Not enough to make a sequel, but good job. Let's see. I thought that was completely superfluous. I mean, it it is. It's totally unnecessary, but it's cool. I think they did a good job implementing it. It does kind of help with the mystical feel of it. Good job. Good feature. Not enough to make a new game, but good job. The countdown. The countdown is the next thing I was going to say. The countdown and the effects when you first launch. Ah, fantastic. So basically, I guess what I'm saying is sound design. Your team did a good job. Whoever's on sound design, good job. You made a really nice sounding turd. Uh, (laughs) It's got the the gurgles and the pops and everything. Oh, it's fantastic. The sound design (laughs) is actually no bullshit. Excellent. Um, The tutorial badly needed great job very cool didn't use it because i've played too much ksp1 and that would probably just bore me to tears but for a new player excellent addition not a cookie to me that is essentially bare minimum 
Like, KSP-1 should have had that. The only reason KSP-1 didn't have that is because of the way it was developed. So it's totally acceptable for KSP-1. It was necessary for KSP-2. So, mm-hmm. good job. You did a good job, but not a cookie. No cookie for you. No cookie for you. Uh, the ads. Good job on those. Those are great. The sizzle reels and the developers hype. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Did okay on that. Yeah, that was really cool. I enjoyed all of them. The trailers are fantastic. They made me laugh. Um, the animations on the little Kerbals are adorable and fantastic, and it, it is the reason I got so excited. The differentiation between Kerbals was good. Great. But that's that's irrelevant. Yep. To the core of the game. Totally. Um, what else? Uh, I kind of hate the VAB. It's too dark. Um, yeah, it felt oppressive. Yeah, it's a little angsty. And the, the UI felt like Ubisoft was building it. Yeah, the, the UI is kind of weirdly illegible. It's an enormous amount of information crammed into a very small space, which is potentially okay. But it's which takes up a third of the goddamn screen too, though. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. the UI is fucking huge in this now, and it's not easy to read anymore. It isn't read easy like the, to read. The green or the black on green, love it as an aesthetic, not something you should be putting in as your fucking staging. No, God, that was a bad idea, and I. Sorry. There's there's a boatload of information. <laughs> trying to be positive, and that wasn't a positive. No. <laughs> there's a boatload. Yeah, we're trying so hard to be positive here, and we're just failing because it is that bad. Um, yeah, the UI looks fancy. Like when you glance at it, if you're not someone who's actually trying to pilot a ship, and you just take a glance at it, you're like, "Ooh, that looks really high tech." But it fails the subway test. Yeah. Yeah. And. For those that don't know what the subway test is, I'm going to go on a slight tangent here. Bear with me. The subway test is there's three levels that you're looking at. First level, the initial impression. What is this game? Well, you have this big, friendly nav ball in the corner. It's some sort of aviation game. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Second level, what details do I need to know as as I'm working right now? little bit harder you got the staging on the far right that is a moderate size that's somewhat easy to read yeah are we talking about the and first one or the second one the second one. <laughs> okay uh, and eh. and then the real details these are the things that as a player you absolutely have to know at a glance yep buried buried totally buried i have played so much ksp1 and so I was looking for features that were just just smacking you in the face on the first game, and I couldn't even find them. Yeah. That's a failure of the subway test. 100%. And there's a good GDC talk on um, how to design your UI that I will probably link in the show notes for this. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because this fails it fundamentally. It's the information that is there is good. I don't have a problem with the information that is displayed. I have a problem with the way it is displayed. There's a lot of stuff that's not explained. And I'm sure if you go through the tutorials, you could probably figure it out. But here's the problem. You need to be able to, like, at a glance, 
look at something and be like, that is that. In the original game, that was pretty easy to do. A lot of this stuff was really obvious, and when it wasn't super obvious, they had some kind of a way of explaining it. There might be like a little tag above it that says, hey, this graph is how much atmosphere you're in. In yeah. the new one, there's just a little section of the nav ball that goes through different gradients of blue. And you don't know, instead of it saying upper atmosphere or lower atmosphere or whatever, you just go through various stages of the atmosphere not having any fucking clue what you're looking at. Basically, the only reason that I knew what that meant is because I played the first game. So this whole, yeah. Yeah. you know, we're going to make it easier for newcomers? Yeah, bullshit. If the only reason I know how the nav ball works is because I played the original, you failed that mission. Yep. Um, it, it also is incredibly dark and angsty, which for a game about a bunch of really cute little clumsy aliens, kind of a weird that getting, choice. That are getting blown up on a regular basis. I'm going to add that. Yeah, that's true. Like the first one kind of gets away with that because A, the Kerbals are like kind of like derpy derpy yeah exactly like you don't feel like it's a huge loss and the game is really light and airy and so like if if you lose a kerbal you're kind of like yeah well you know it's a yeah. <laughs> funny joke but the new one is like trying to simultaneously take itself incredibly seriously while also like leaning really hard on the comic or comic like aspect of the kerbals and i'm like you can't have Which both is a clash yeah. It's a clash. It totally Brighten is. Brighten up the VAB and you would solve half of it. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, there's truth to that. And the nav ball is insanely dark and kind of legible too. Like the old one has like a traditional nav ball like you would find on an airplane. That's, you know, blue is up, brown is down, that's ground. All of that is like super intuitive. I don't even remember what the the current one looks like, but it's way darker. <laughs> it's a darker blue and a darker brown. But it's like dark. Like, yeah. like darkness, no parents. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that uh, Christopher Nolan did Kerbal Space Program. Yeah, the, but yeah, yeah this, this is Lego like, Batman does Kerbal Space Program. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I'm going to have to cut us yeah, off. Yeah, we, we really should. I, I, in conclusion, wait. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're not saying don't buy no wait wait let's see what happens let's see what happens i'm i have yeah, hope like, but not a lot of it and that's coming from two chuckle fucks that just said that they played a giant flaming dumpster fire of a game yeah for two hours no we one hour we took no oh combined about it for two hours yeah <laughs> Fair. We complained about it for two hours, and even after that, we say, wait. That's true. That's true. I just want to point that out. We also played the game for less than an hour and then talked about our experience for two hours, which is, I think, telling in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's wrap this yeah. dumpster fire up. <laughs> Thank you for getting this far, if you did. Yes, if you have your own thoughts on this, reach out to me on Twitter or any social media at JC Siron, S-I-R-R-O-N, and give me your thoughts on it, your opinions. Bash me for anything that I've said on this. Yeah. 
no personal attacks. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Obviously, we're passionate about it. Oh, yeah. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Anyway, where where can they reach you? Where can they find you, Tom? Uh, well, <laughs> wouldn't be a great way to talk about this just because I don't have very much. But um, you can find me on Instagram at Vintage and Voltage. And uh, yeah, if you feel like uh, I was being completely unfair and a total jerk, feel free to reach out. Um, but uh, leave a co- leave a comment on our uh, podcast page. That is probably we the best. We have comments way to do it. there too. Yep, and uh, we we are guaranteed to read them. It's theadventuremechanics.com. You can find this episode and any of our other episodes there as well. Sorry, continue on. And we will try to respond to them if we can. I don't know if I have anything else to really say. I feel like I have kind of spent my load. <laughs> well, don't worry. You're not going to hit the planet yet. <laughs> <sighs> We've been the adventure mechanics. I'm Chandler. And I'm Tom. And we'll talk to you next time. Hopefully about something much more positive and with less anger. Uh, yeah, I hope so, too. Very few things can get me this riled up, so odds are good. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. The intro and outro music are excerpts from Plinian, retro gaming version, royalty-free. Music provided and produced by Lone Peak Music. Link in the description.